Sorry for your loss, my half-brother's landlord says in a thick Brooklyn accent. His lips are drawn into a sagging frown as he hands me a set of keys, and his hooded dark eyes are glassy. I can tell he was a fan of my brother, and by fan I mean an actual, loyal-to-the-end Bryce Renner enthusiast. He's wearing a replica New York Spartans hockey sweater with Renner across the back in bold lettering, and he hasn't removed it since the funeral this morning. His lease was paid through the end of the year, so take your time. Let me know if you need anything. I'm in 12A at the end of the hall. Thank you. I take the keys, squeezing them tight in my palm. The landlord stops in the doorway, taking in my brother's place like it's the last time he'll get to see it like this, exactly the way Bryce left it. He was a good kid, your brother, the man says. That's what I hear, I lie, offering a bittersweet smile and watching as he smooths a palm along the interior frame of the door. Don't believe anything anybody tells you about him. He exhales, then clenches his fist like he's angry with God before disappearing down the hall. I close and lock the door behind him. Dirty dishes fill the sink and random stacks of mail litter the countertops. A half a dozen pairs of sneakers are thrown in a pile next to a shoe organizer by the entryway. And a heap of sweat-scented hockey sweaters rest in a laundry basket beside the closet door in the hall. I'm positive that beneath the grime and clutter, this is a nice place. The building is a centuries-old limestone, with a big black awning that extends all the way to the sidewalk. There's a doorman and 24-hour security, and I'm a 10-minute walk from Central Park. Shuffling across the concrete floors, I take in the city view as night descends and the lights begin to flicker and shine. This must be what they call a million-dollar view. My phone buzzes in my pocket, pulling me out of my exhausted, jet-lagged little daze, and I smile when I see it's my mom calling. Hey, I answer. How was it? Her voice is sweet and low and laced with worry. I'm not sure why everyone is so worried about me. It's horribly tragic that he died, but I didn't know him. Honestly, the most heartbreaking part about this whole thing is that I'll never know him, and it's not for a lack of trying. He wanted nothing to do with his father's illegitimate love child, and he made it abundantly clear each time I tried to reach out to him over the years. It was a beautiful service, I say, tracing my finger across the crystal-clear floor-to-ceiling window before me. Everything is so crisp and clean, like I could just reach my hand through and touch the building across the street. The windows seem to be the only remotely untouched thing about this place, and I wonder if he ever took the time to stand here and take in all this beauty. There were a ton of people there, hundreds, maybe a thousand. Back of the church was standing room only. Who gave the eulogy? she asks. His coach. It's so sad that he had no one in those final hours, you know? She asks, voice fading. No one by his side at the hospital. Breaks my heart that he died alone. He could have had me. I know, sweetheart. She sighs through the phone, not in the mood to rehash the conversation we've had a million times before. But it's okay, because neither am I. How are you holding up? I know you have a lot on your plate now with cleaning out his place and handling his estate and everything. I'm fine, Mom. I've got it.